Good morning. I'm so blessed to be here with you. Um, one of the beautiful things about our church is that we love missions, right? And so we have been doing missions for a long time. In fact, I came to Dallas to work with Pastor Adam and Pastor Jamie in a missions organization. And so we have been birthed out of, Hill City has, out of a missions organization. And so missions is in the DNA of your pastors. So I just really am just so honored to serve alongside you guys. And guys, we have the best pastors in the world who care about the nation. So just a huge honor, just really um, exceptional. And I always, I, I wanted to say this too. Um, my husband and I have been um, working with Pastor Adam and Jamie for 17 years, and I thought about how rare that is, and so that really speaks to your guys' friendship, your pastoral leadership, and just really your genuine love for the world, and so I just want to thank you guys for that. There's not often people will stay in a church for a long time, and we actually have several staff members that have been here a long time, so just wanted to give a shout out to my pastors. I love you guys. I am Erica. Um, if you'll sure throw up my... Um, my picture. My handsome husband is not here this morning, so I'm sad, but I wanted to share you one of my favorite pictures. This look that you see Lance giving here, my husband, this is the marriage look. You guys know anybody who's married? The look that your husband gives you when you're saying something funny or you're, you know, it's the look. So I wanted you guys to be a part of that this morning because this is his look that he gives me. So he can't be giving me a look from the front row, but he's watching in online. He gives sins his love from Pennsylvania. He and my two beautiful children are there. Um, he's leading a congregation, um, just really cool. He's leading at his dad's church in Pennsylvania. So just a beautiful legacy. He told me this morning his pastor, his worship pastor, is um, currently the pastor of that church. And so he gets to pour back into the ministry that also poured into him. So just really exceptional things. So just excited um, for what the Lord has for you guys this morning. I think what we, when we think about missions, we think there's a special ops team that does missions. And my communication to you this morning is that actually you are the missionaries, right? And so this church does very many things in missions, but just this weekend, we blew it out of the water, right? And so who, who served in her serve day here? It was so awesome. We had over 200 people come out between two campuses. There were, yeah, give yourselves a hand of applause. That's exceptional. We had testimonies of people knowing Jesus because of what we did yesterday. So thank you guys for being the hands and feet of the church. We have a great um, video just to recap that, and we'll play that now for you. Big thank you to the video team who pulled that together overnight. So thank you guys in the video department. You guys made that happen yesterday. And again, I just want to encourage you, if you weren't a part this year, we'll do it again next year. So please come out. The other part of what we do is what we're talking about today. We have Hill City Missions, right? And you guys know 10% of your ties, maybe you don't know, 10% of your ties go to support the nations. We support both local ministries here in the Metroplex, and we also support international missions. And then the other half of what we do is we go on short-term trips. And guys, this year, in 2023, we went on seven international trips all over the nation, all over the world, and over 60 of you went. So we're going to recap that as well. So yeah, good job, guys. 
right, another round of applause for everybody who went, over 60 of you. So you might have saw that Spain is happening in September 2023, and you're thinking, Erica, I didn't hear anything about that. That's because we're leaving immediately after church today. So I just want to brag, too, our church has always been a short-term missions church, but just recently we've really um, heard, our congregation has heard the call to send our own to the field. And so we'll actually be launching Miss Gabrielle Turner to Spain. Not, not this trip. But yeah, yes, for Gabby, because this trip is like a vision trip. So she gets to see where she's going to work. She gets to work with the people she's going to work. So if you guys can be praying for us this week, we are launching a Hill City Missionary next year. So that is exciting news, guys. You, are, you guys are a part of that. And I think that's what you need to know. That's what I'm here to tell you about is that you're a big part of sending Gabby to the nation. So title this message today, right? Let's get into the word. Using your gifts to impact the world. Not using Erica's gift, right? Not using the person next to you, but the need for Jesus in the world is great today. It's extremely great, right? And we know that people need Jesus, and sometimes we turn our brains off to it, right? Because it's hard to think about lost people, but that's why we do short-term missions, and guys, that is why we do small groups. Not sure if you're aware, but small groups is such a beautiful collaboration of asking you to use your gifts to disciple others. Right, And I think every day about small groups and how big a part it's played in my own life. And I think about how long I've been doing small groups and how it's been so edifying for my heart and my soul. And when I started leading small groups, something shifted in my relationship with God. And that same shift happens when we go on missions, when we reach the world. In fact, um, I'm going to tell this story. I was 12 years old, the first small group I decided to lead. And it was the 90s, you know, it was the 2000s. So it, music was really cool. And I was like, I'm going to do a small group that has music. And we're going to talk about the lyrics. And I remember I was so excited. So I printed out a sign. And I was like, OK, I'm going to put it in my locker. Because then you could put signs on your locker that say small group after school. Well, I came in the next day, and it was off. Right? And I was like, somebody's persecuting me, right? I was like, I'm, I'm going to go at him, right? But, um, but it was down, and so I was like, okay, I'll print out, print out another one. Well, the next day, it was gone again. And I was like, okay, somebody's playing a joke, so I printed out another one, put it back on my locker. By the fifth day, I was like, somebody doesn't like what I'm doing here, right? The enemy doesn't like when we're starting to lead small groups. And so I found out it was a guy, a guy in the school, excuse me, that didn't like Jesus, and his... Um, interpretation of what I was doing is like it's not allowed to be at school and we had a long conversation and I remember thinking okay this is it God you know because then that and the and back in that day was like all about martyrdom and like that season of life you know I was like I'm gonna get martyred for Christ you know but I was like this is the level of persecution I thought I was facing but this morning I was I wanted you guys to think about what if we couldn't meet in small groups what if America was a country that didn't allow open worship of God it's crazy to think about because as a 12-year-old, I thought I was being persecuted. But then I look at the Chinese Christians, and I think about what they're going through right now, right? We often see persecution, and we think, that's somewhere far away. That's something that happened in the past. But we know that that's not true, right? In China, I remember smuggling Bibles. Anybody else smuggled Bibles into China? The, and I remember being in the airport, right? And I was like wrapping the Bibles in my jeans and I'm sweating. I mean, I'm sweating going through security. I'm like, don't, don't blacklist me, you know, don't, black, don't look in my suitcases, you know? Because do you know why we were smuggling Bibles? It's because the Chinese, um, the Chinese can't have Bibles unless they register with the Chinese government. All of the Bibles are printed by them, and they are regulated by them. So they can track where every single Bible is in the nation. And so when we sneak Bibles in, those are not being tracked. So Christians can be Christians, and they can have freedom of worship 
And my mind was just blown doing this simple task. You know, we go grab, I have five Bibles on my shelf. We go buy, grab a Bible, don't even think about it. But these Chinese Christians are like, please bring us Bibles so that we can be safe, right? Because we know the Chinese government is trying to uh, tamp down on Christianity. In fact, now that they're printing them, they're starting to change the text so that it can be communist government, uh, you know, enabled scripture. And so even the scripture that they are allowed to have that's tracked isn't the Holy Bible. It's kind of altered so the Chinese government can tell the Christians what they want to do. And I can't imagine going to the store and thinking, is this Bible actually the Bible? You know, and we don't have that, like, we don't have that lack of security. And China's actually only number 16 on the list of most dangerous places to be a Christian in the world. 16, that means there's 15 other places that are even worse to be a Christian. And places like Somalia, Yemen, Sudan, Pakistan. Um, Pastor Jonathan told me just the other day, Pakistan is actually actively tearing down churches, just demolishing them. No reason, they haven't broken any rules, they just don't want Christian churches in Pakistan. And so, um, an organization called Open Doors, I'm going to stick some stats up, just to bring this home for you, to, to help you to understand that persecution is something that happens in this day and age. It's why missions is so important, because people need to know about Jesus. In fact, Open Door is an advocacy group that watches um, persecuted Christians, and they say one in seven Christians today are being persecuted. One in seven Right, And so I want to challenge that notion that persecution is not here, it's not happening, because it is. One in seven. Look around the room. One in seven people. That's a lot of people in this room, right? And so in 2022, 360 million Christians experienced high levels of persecution and discrimination. 360 million. My brain, I'm a C, right? So I like details. 360 people is a lot of people all experiencing high levels. That's not even like meeting levels or low levels. That's 20 million higher than the year before it in 2021. Can you imagine 20 million people increased um, in, the per in the persecution? And then almost 6,000 people died for their faith last year. 6,000, right? And so it's not this ambiguous thing that's kind of out there and maybe it's talked about in the Jesus Freak book from the 90s. It's happening in here and now in this day and age. And why should that be something that concerns me? That's why you're asking, right? Because God cares about the world. He cares deeply about the world, not just a little bit, right? He doesn't just see the world and think, oh, okay, they're just the world and they're suffering. He cares deeply about it. And if God cares about it, we need to care about it, right? And so I'm going to go into some scriptures today just to help you wrap your brain around what your job is in the nation. Is that okay? I love the scripture. It tells us how to live our life. These two scriptures are one of the most common scriptures you've probably read, so don't tune your brain out, all right? We know that the Great Commission tells us how God loves the world, right? The Great Commission in Matthew 28, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God tells us there that he cares so much about the nations, he's commissioning you, right? His love is evident in that scripture. We know John 3, 16, right? If you haven't memorized it, please memorize it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, not just for Americans, not just for who we know, but the entire world he gave his son for. And whoever shall believe it than him. That is not discriminatory. It doesn't mean that somebody can't come to salvation. We saw in, on the cross, Jesus, uh, the criminal next to Jesus said, can you forgive me? And Jesus was like, yes, done, bang. It was easy, right? And so they sh the whole world should not perish but have eternal life. I think that's so exciting for me because that means God loves the world and so should I. 
right? It's evident in scripture. And there's so many scriptures about the, wor- the God's love for the world. But I want to highlight something maybe new to you to bring this point home. In Isaiah 58, 6 through 8. Now this verse is about the Israelites. And they're just after exile, Right, And so they're getting back into the swing of being in a fixed place, and they're fasting and praying and going to church and doing what the law and, and, and the people require of them. But Isaiah is, an, is kind of being like, okay, guys, there's something else that you're missing. Because the, the Israelites are like, we prayed and we're fasting, but nothing's changing. And they're kind of complaining about, I've done all this checklist. I've asked, I've done what you've required of me. And so Isaiah gives this encouragement of what we're supposed to also do. And, and, and I'm not saying spiritual disciplines are bad. I'm saying there's something else that's part of our walk with God. And Isaiah says it here. He said, is this not the kind of fasting I've cho- chosen? To loose the chains of injustice. That's what I want to do with my time and what I'm investing in, right? Untie the cords of the yoke and to set the oppressed free. We know some people that need some freedom today, right? And break every yoke. It is not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe them and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like dawn and healing will quickly appear. Who needs some healing in this room? Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Right? He's saying that fasting isn't it. We think of fasting, it's one of those beautiful spiritual disciplines that we're like, that's the best thing to do because it's hard. Who, like, who likes fasting in this room? Nobody, right? It's hard. Right? I always tell people, I'm like, oh, I don't want to fast because it's hard. You've got to crucify the flesh. You've got to do something that's against your flesh nature, right? And that fasting's like that sacrifice. But also he's saying Missions is going to cost us something, right? Reaching the world is going to cost us something. Just as fasting does, missions has a cost, right? And we've got to be able to pay that because you are being commissioned. We can't be too afraid to pay the cost because there are lives on the line. The oppressed need to be set free, and it's your job to do that. It's your job to stand in the gap for them. And we don't want to be so caught up in what we're doing and what the Lord's asked us to do that we don't choose to reach out, right? Again, I'm going to go back to that's why we're called in Hill City to do small groups so that it's an outward expression of what we're experiencing on the inside, right? It's that sharing. It's that compartmental of, like, I'm going to share this with somebody who needs some encouragement today. Missions is the same thing. It's just reaching out to other people, sharing what the Lord's done in your life so that they might know Jesus. That's something that everybody in this room can do, right? We've all been somewhere. And what keeps us from doing that, right? What keeps us from reaching the world? Because not everyone's um, actively pursuing the lost, right? We don't always think about the lost. In fact, I was um, praying for, um, in Morocco and in Libya, there was two great travesties. Morocco was struck by a huge earthquake. Libya was devastated by a flood. And my immediate thought was, there are people who didn't know Jesus there. Because they are predominantly Muslim nations. And that's how I want to live my life. I want to look at the news and think, there is somebody who didn't know Jesus. How can I support the missionaries there? How can I pray for the missionaries there so they can reach the people that are still left? Right? We want to activate that missional awareness in us that it's about people on the other side of the world. It's about people that we don't even know sometimes. But I love missions because it helps you to know them. Right? I know people in Guatemala. I know people. I know a missionary that has friends in Morocco. And so I called her immediately and said, how are your Moroccan friends? How are our friends doing? They're safe and sound. Oh, thank the Lord. I'm so glad. Let's pray about what we can do. Right? It's that activation. And so how do we reach the world? Right? You're asking me, 
a lot this morning, right? That's what you're thinking. Our gifts are for helping others. The Lord shows us that he loves the world. We know that, right? That's evident in scripture. It's not nothing new. I'm not saying anything new. We know that God has called us to reach others, right? To love the world as he loved the world. And on the, on the third part, he actually equips us to do what he's called us to do. I love that this church loves spiritual gifts and teaches it and grow too. If you haven't been through, it's such a great course because it makes us realize I have what it takes to minister to others because there's a lot of fear wrapped in it, right? And so uh, even Pastor Adam, he encouraged us in 1 Peter 4.10. He said that we have gifts and they're to be used to serve each other. And so we're going to read in 1 Corinthians, one of my favorite spiritual gifts verse. And again, don't tune out if you've heard it before because that's what we do sometimes. But it says 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. There are different kinds of gifts. Your gift is not going to be like the person next to you. But the same spirit distributes them, right? The same God gives them to all of us. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. That means my gifts aren't going to look like your gifts. This person sitting next to you, they're going to have different gifts. But do you know why God gifts us so differently? Because there are different needs in the world. And you are the spot that fills something in somebody's heart that clicks them into a relationship with God. Right? I think about all the time my own life and how I've come from nothing. Right? I came from a small town in Indian Springs, Nevada. It's just outside Las Vegas. And it's one of the top ten poorest cities in the nation. And I just remember there were, there were Christmases where we didn't have Christmas presents under the tree, right? And, and I, I um, was raised by a single mom who, who was excellent at what she did. But guess what? I had something um, that I, I held on to as my identity, right? I am the daughter of a prisoner. My dad's been in prison my entire life. He was a heroin addict, he was a heroin dealer, and he made a choice that devastated his, the rest of his life. And I, for a long time, was like, well, I can't do anything great for the Lord, right? Because of my past, because of what I've come from. But then somebody told me, Erica, you are anointed and appointed to reach the gospel in the nations. And somebody activated those spiritual gifts inside of me, and I'm activating those spiritual gifts inside of you today. Because it doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter if you see yourself as less than. The Lord sees you. The Lord sees you. He sees your gifts, and he knows that you can use them to change the nations. We're going to play a video from a really profound, beautiful young man who went on a, a trip to Colombia. And I want, to hear, I want you to hear what he, what he gives glory to the Lord for and how he used his gifts on the field. Hi, my name is Bobby Davis, and I am 17 years old, and this last summer, I went on a Hill City's mission trip to Columbia. I've always want, just had a fascination with missions trip in the past, and when I took Grow Track and I found out my three gifts, one of them was Missionary at Mercy, and talking with Miss Jamie, she said that Missionary Mercy go really good together, and I was excited about it because I was like, I've always wanted to go on a missions trip. And so when I talked to Zach that he was going on one, I was like, oh, they're going on a missions trip this year? This is the chance I really just want to go and just see how God can work. Uh, before I got on the trip, some of the boundaries that I faced is that my mom didn't, she's very 
protective. She doesn't want me going outside the country by myself, and she always wants to be right next to me. And so that was one of the boundaries that I faced. And another boundary face is just the doubt that the enemy was putting in my mind, saying that, why are you even going on the trip? Are you going to make a difference on that trip? When we were there with the missionaries, we, we helped the kids. We kind of just started, we did plays for them. When we went to the Bronx on Wednesday, I could just feel the, the spiritual warfare that some people were going through and, that's, and that they were really struggling and that I just wanted to just pray over them and just see what they, see what Jesus can do in their life. When I got back only a few weeks, I started school again. And then I, as soon as I got back and I'm walking around my college campus, I'm like, ooh, I really want to minister to some of these people and just show them that Jesus can work. That's something I probably wouldn't have done before a missions trip. To be able to see God work through, work outside of just the United States boundary, to see that he's not bounded by language, ethnicity, and that he can work through whatever is going on and that, and that is just amazing feeling. It's just worth it. You can able to just, he'll give you some gifts that you'll be able to use in the missionary field and that you'll be able to use back home, which is amazing. Hey, my young people and everybody else, you have to go on a Hill Cities missions trip. I'm so grateful that Bobby answered the call because he has been activated, right? Not only did he realize God has given me gifts as a young man, as a young 17-year-old man, he didn't, um, he didn't let that stand in his way, right? And his mom, if, if and Miss Angela is listening, she pressed through her barriers to letting Bobby go, right? And so there's so much that we have to overcome, right? And I appreciate that. In fact, I want to go through common barriers to reaching the world, right? Because what you're thinking right now is, okay, Erica, that's good for you, and I've got a family, and I can't do those things, but my commission, again, for you is that you are a missionary. You are called to reach the nations. And so the first thing that I'm going to talk about, the barrier to overcome, is lack of awareness. What I love is that we're at a church where there is no lack of awareness. We have told you last weekend and this weekend that you are called to serve, that you are. We activate people. It's what I love about Hill City. It's not like people are, are like these strong Christians and that's the only people that we allow in leadership. We're asking every single one of you to become a small group leader because we believe that God has gifts in you and your, your job is to use those, right? Not to just, um, like the Israelites, not to just check the things off the list and come to church on a Sunday, but it is to activate those gifts inside of you to reach others around you, right? And so lack of awareness isn't a problem for us, right? But perceived lack of opportunities might be, right? We look at this church, it's big. You know, there's lots of people who are thinking, oh, they have it all covered. There's no reason for me to activate my gifts. But I always like to tell people, we need you, right? Every single one of you sitting here this morning, we need your gifts in this church, in this community, and in this nation. So there is no perceived lack of opportunities because I'm telling you today, it is your opportunity to step up. It's your opportunity to answer the call to reach the nations. Maybe you've had past negative experiences. I am fully aware, I've been doing this 17 years. There are missions organizations that they do mission trips more like a vacation, right? And maybe you're thinking, okay, I don't wanna do that if it's not gonna make a difference. In fact, Bobby says it, uh, his mom asked him, are you really gonna make a difference? And something I'm committed to as your missions director is making sure that our trips matter. And so we're investing in our missionaries. We're praying for them when we're not with them. And what I do is I ask them, I say, what would bless you the most? What do you need to happen in your community that a big team of crazy Americans coming can help you activate? 
and that's what we do. I don't go in with my own agenda. We don't go in with our own, like, these are the things that we do on our mission trips. And so I want you to feel confident that our mission trips, they bring change. In fact, I'm going to share a story with you. When I was in Spain as a missionary, I didn't share this with you. I was in the field for a while in Spain, so I get to go back today. I'm super excited. I ministered to a lady, and, and we'll call her Faith. And um, she was, she's a Muslim, and, um, you know, at that time our conversation was like, Hi, Faith, how are you doing? But now, 12 years later, we get to go back to visit her. And she's starting to ask questions about Jesus, deep questions about faith and how faith is represented and how Jesus can care for her. That, for me, is a legacy. Twelve years ago, I met with her. She's still on the journey to faith because we know our Muslim friends, it's devastating for them to come to Jesus. Their whole family will blacklist them. It's not like a small choice for them, right? And so even that she's moved closer to Jesus, it shows me that short-term missions works. It's effective in the name of Jesus, right? good. Maybe you have a fear of inadequacy, right? We all think, what can I offer? And again, my challenge for you today is just to use your gifts in the capacity that you know to use them. In fact, I'll share, um, I had a beautiful um, uh, sisters uh, go on my Navajo trip, and they uh, admitted to me, Erica, I'm scared. I'm scared. And I said, okay, so what can we do to help prepare you? And um, um, Sandra and her sister Rosie, they really impressed me in the Navajo Nation. They stepped out of their comfort zone. They did what God's called them to do. And she told me on this flip-in, she said, Erica, if I could tell the congregation anyone anything, I'd say, do it scared. Do it scared. If you're scared, if you have fear about reaching the nations, do it scared. Because the Lord's going to really show up in that. Maybe you have comparison or competition. You're thinking, I'm not like Erica. I can't do these things she's asking me to do. All we're asking you to do is use your gifts. Use your gifts to reach the world around you. Use the gifts to reach the people on the mission field. It's not that somebody else is better than you, right? There's no, um, there's no like stages in Jesus. We're all loved by him, used by him, called by him, right? And so say out loud, the world needs me. Look at the person next to you say, the world needs you right? The world needs you, your individual gifts, your individual personalities to reach the people around you, right? Comparison puts us in that place where we think we're less than, and I'm telling you today, you are not less than anybody sitting in this room. You are called by God. You are anointed by God, and there's gifts that you're, you're going to use in the field in the name of Jesus. All right, Americans, the third one is busyness and overcommitment. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're doing too much. You're doing too much, okay? I know I'm American. We make ourselves busy. We are, have so many things to do. We have so many things that are like occupying the space. So I know what you're thinking. I don't have time to go on a mission trip. I don't have time to do that, Erica. My encouragement to you is take stock of your life. How can you simplify what you're doing so that kingdom things take precedence? So that God's plan for your life takes precedence. Right? It's not, at the end of our lives, we're not going to be like, well, I had a fancy car and I had a good job that I loved. I'm going to say, Jesus, where the souls that I saw reach heaven and where are they at? Because I want to meet them. Where are they at? I want to meet them, right? Don't be too busy to answer the call of God. Maybe it's uncomfortable, right? I know it's uncomfortable. Isaiah reminds us to get out of our comfort zone, to get out of what we know is typical, right? Sometimes we make ourselves busy so that we don't have to be uncomfortable, I'll say that again. Sometimes we get busy, so we can't say yes to the things that are uncomfortable. So get un uncomfortable. Go on a mission trip. 
I'm going to tell you an amazing story of something that made me uncomfortable. Even Erica at 17 years on the field, I get uncomfortable. We were in a place called the Bronx. You heard Bobby mention it. The Bronx, Columbia, not the Bronx, New York. There's a place where all of the drug users, they just come and they just shoot up. They just sell drugs. It's like a, the Colombian government knows they're there. And it blew my mind. I'm from Las Vegas, so I've seen a lot of depravity. But it's just open, open field of drugs and sin and all sorts of corruption. And I'm in the middle of it, and I'm thinking, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my job. I have brought my team to a place that is just crazy. But I knew the need for God was great. So I said, Lord, let me see what you're going to do. And so sometimes the Colombian government, they like to clean up the area, right? They'll take pictures. Well, it just happened to be the night we were there. So I'm telling you that I felt like I was being punked, guys, okay? So we show up, and I'm like, okay, Jesus, you got to help me. you got to help this lady because she's a planner, and I don't know what to expect. And we're walking down the street, and we're walking down the street. we got these big yellow vests on so we can show that we're not drug users. <laughs> and the police show up, boop, 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 right in front of us. And the street, boof, clears out. And I'm like, what just happened? What just happened? I'm like, it's got to be a joke, right? Ashton Kutcher's coming out of the corner. He's going to be saying, you're punked, you know? Because it was perfect time, and they literally were right in front of us, this whole SWAT team. And uh, Chris, our missionary up here, you see, he took the, the chance to be like, oh, this is a really cool experience. I'm going to pray for a police officer. I'm going to take a picture. And I'm like, Chris, I'm freaking out. <laughs> I'm like, the police just came. Are they going to arrest us, you know? But what it allowed for us to do, what uncomfortableness allowed me to do and my team was because the police were there, we were there with the, the, the bottom of the barrel, the people who didn't even care that the police were there. They were the people who were so caught up in their sin that they didn't even leave the street. And so guess what we got to do? We got to pray for them. I got to speak life into a lady named Erica. And I said, you know what? God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. Because I got uncomfortable. Because I got uncomfortable. And I said, I'm going to do what the Lord's called me to do. All right, you feeling it today? We're gonna, we got one more, okay? Lack of training and equipping, right? We're, you're saying, Eric, I don't have the right bachelor's. I don't have the right degree. Guess what? Get in a small group. We're going to train you up. Get in the missions program. We're going to train you up. We're good at training. All right, this church does training well. And so you're not going to go unequipped. I promise you, you're not going to go without what you need in order to be successful in reaching the lost on the field. Spiritual warfare is something else I want to touch on. Pastor Adam's going to go into a great series next month, but I want you to know that the enemy's going to lie to you. He's going to say all of the things that I've already said, and I want you to fight against it because the world needs you to understand that there's an enemy that wants to destroy. He wants to have lost people stay in their sinful nature. He wants you never to activate your gifts. And I want to say he won't do it in my life. He won't do it in your life. I won't let him. I'm going to pray against it. In fact, I pray every day, activate my congregation, Lord. Activate the people that need to be on the field because I know that the, the, the purposes of God are greater. They are greater than the plans of the enemy in the name of Jesus. All right, couple more. You guys are doing great. Health and physical limitations, right? We have a church that is very diverse. So I know I'm speaking to you. I had two beautiful people that you probably already heard. They went with me on mission trips. Miss Dorothy and Mr. Carl, are they here this morning? In their 70s. Let's give them a round of applause. They had never been on a mission trip before. They said to me, Erica, I'm not sure what I'll be able to do. I'm, I have asthma, right? They have these things. Um, we, we tell the story about Mr. Carl crawling up the stairs because they were so steep. But what I love about them is they just said yes. yes. 
they just said yes in spite of their age, in spite of what they thought was a limitation, and they used the gifts. I'm telling you, they were, I, I just look at it now and I think the ministry that we did was, was more compelling because we had elders of the faith in the room and the Navajo people listened because they respect the elders. If I just had a team of young people, they'd be like, well, you don't know anything, right? And so we knew exactly what they needed. And if they would have said no, maybe our ministry would have looked a lot different. The Lord and the field, they need you. They need you in whatever season you're in. With family, I take my family everywhere with me, right? We do family safe missions because we want the family of God to be activated. The last one is financial limitations. I know, I've been doing it 17 years. This thing that people say to me is, how can I raise all that money? And I always give this testimony, so if you've heard it, I'm going to tell you again because it's my testimony to give. In 17 years as a missions director, as somebody who's done missions for Hill City, I have never seen somebody not go to the field that did the fundraisers, that sent out the letters, and that said, I want to go. Never. Let's give God a hand clap because that's incredible. That's 17 years of testimonies of the Lord being Jehovah Jireh. So I always tell people, if that's your only barrier, that's the smallest barrier there is. That's the one that I know he'll overcome and overcome and overcome because he loves the world, right? Not because we're going to fill some quota of how many trips we do, because he loves the world and he wants you to use your gifts to reach the nations. Will you do it with me today? Will you do it with me? I need you to activate your gifts today. Right? Why don't you guys stand with me? You're saying, Erica, are you sure he's calling me? Are you sure the nations are for me? And I'm telling you today, yes, every single person under the sound of my voice is called to be a missionary. It's not a special subset of things. It's not a special, special op team. Every single person I'm looking at and that I'm talking to right now, you are called to reach the lost, to set the captives free, to loose bondages and people. You are. And that takes a lot of courage. So I'm praying courage into you today. And I want to speak Matthew 5, 14 and 6 over you. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Give light to everyone in the house in the name of Jesus. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. There's no qualification on this. You're going to be a light to the world in your own capacity, in your own place, because the Lord needs your gifts. Now, somebody else's, be that light today. Be that light today. Hey, thank you for joining us online here at Hill City. We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today, and I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week, wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469 606 2684. And uh, we want to respond and again, just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with Jesus. Don't forget, next week we are here again, same place, same time, nine o'clock. And until then, we hope you have an amazing week.